1: I've got a good buddy of mine, Mr. Eric Bethune, quite possibly the biggest bow hunter in the world. I don't mean big as in biggest name or biggest celebrity. I mean big as in this dude could go bear hunting with a switch because he's massive. First time I ever met Eric, I literally thought it was it was a funny story because he walked into the into the convention and I said, Good lord, dude, what do you do? You go bear hunting with a switch? And uh, he said, well, I'm actually here to receive an award for my polar bear that I killed with my recurve. And so I thought, well, well, you do kill bears with switches. So me and Eric hit it off. He's an incredibly fun guy. Started bow hunting just six short years ago and has went on a killing spree. I'm talking new world record elk. I'm talking... Polar bears with recurves that receive awards at Pope and young muskox that receive awards at Pope and young. The guy is an absolute monster when it comes to getting it done. He's a phenomenal hunter. He's here to reach to, to share the most incredible story of a polar bear hunt that maybe you'll ever hear an incredible story of a world record to Lee elk and doing it all within just six years. He's also here to encourage you to help you know that you can do it too, to help you know, you're never too late. Um, You didn't have to start when you were a kid. You can start right now. You can jump right in and not miss anything. Guys, it's a really, really fun episode. Eric is an incredibly nice guy. It's a fun episode. It's a funny episode. We learn a lot. We laugh a lot. We also hear some incredible stories. As always, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at ScentLock. Guys, but I hope you enjoy it as much as I did.
0: Welcome to
1: that you have to be 10% body fat or that you have to be able to run a marathon in order to enjoy hunting. You don't even have to be able to complete a CrossFit workout. However, if I want to be able to hunt for a long time and enjoy the great outdoors and continue to chase wild game, then I have to do some things to remain healthy. Why? Well, because I can't bow hunt when I'm 80, 85 if I don't take care of myself now. Guys, First Form makes some of the best supplements that you will ever find. I got so tired of overpaying for watered-down, mediocre supplements just because they were branded for the outdoors. First Form is one of the biggest and best supplement companies in the world. The best news is they care about outdoorsmen, and they care about hunters because they are outdoorsmen, and they are hunters. So, guys, I would highly encourage you to check out First Form. Not just for your professional athletes, not just for the guys who are constantly in the gym working out, not just for the guys who want to get as big and as fit as they possibly can, but for everyday guys who just want to be around to see their kids graduate for everyday mom and dads who just want to be healthy and live a happy lifestyle and enjoy time with their kids for the everyday bow hunter that just wants to ensure they do some things to stay healthy and be able to hunt longer. There are some products for everyday health that everybody should be taking, whether you're an athlete or not. So guys, click the link in the description of this episode to start shopping some of my favorite products from First Form. And guys, I would highly encourage you to start doing some things to ensure your future for bow hunting, to ensure that you're able to enjoy the sport that you love so much for a long time. Guys, I would love to help you out. If you have any questions about what I take or why I take it, shoot me an email, thehunting101podcast at gmail.com. I would love to give you some advice on what products would be a good fit for you and to help you reach your goals. So guys, definitely click the link in, in the description of this episode to start shopping some of my favorite everyday health products from First Form, some of my favorite proteins, vitamins, minerals. Electrolytes, some of the favorite products that anybody and everybody should be taking in order to live a happier, healthier lifestyle. But guys, don't hesitate to reach out and ask me any kind of questions. I would love to help you and love to see you live your happiest, healthiest life. All right, Eric. Finally, uh, finally, we get to catch up, man. Been a while. It's been a while. Um, Been a while since we've got to chat. The biggest, the biggest bow hunter in all the world. I mean, big, biggest, like actual (laughs) physical
0: biggest um no i i held that title I, maybe two years ago i'm, I'm way sized down man and that's the i can't i can't but i can't like train heavy during season i can't do it
1: it just doesn't yeah. work
0: like trying to you know trying to bench press and you know draw a bow it's um you know bull in a china shop kind of thing man it's just you know you're yeah. trying to do something that requires a lot of finesse when you're all you know tense and tight and oil and water man doesn't really work out yeah
1: no i get that but uh still i'd like to see anybody step up and say i'm bigger than this cat i remember uh <laughs> first first time i ever saw you i uh kind of kind of ran my mouth a little bit you walked into the pope and young convention and i was like good good lord son so what is it you go bear hunting with a switch and he said well i'm actually here uh, yeah and he said it so kindly looks like a big bull but he's actually just a nice guy and he said uh he said, oh, I'm actually here to receive an award for killing a polar bear with my recurve. And I was like, oh, okay. So you do go there bear up go. with a switch. Spot on. All right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: So just to catch us up, because um, last year, basically you stepped into Pope and Young hot and heavy. You know, most dudes are like, you know, they, they start getting their toes in the water and you show up just swinging yeah. for the fences, got a new world record, Kick got the door two in. awards. Um." Yeah good lord dude so um tell us about so you let's start with the world record so you was it last year or two years ago
0: 20 yeah 22 i booked it in 19 um went out in 22 and uh you know it, it was pretty much drawn up exactly you know exactly the way we had it written up and you know the way it worked out was uh was perfect i mean you know he's got a beat on these elk and you know the way they move in and off the ranch he's hunting on and um the fact that they only limit his tag number to one is you know it's a huge yeah. deal so there's only one elk getting taken off that ranch per year um Corey smith actually killed the biggest toolie ever uh and i think he uh i think he got his maybe 80 yards from where i shot mine and you know God his bull grief. scored was it 369 and it was just a, a mutant of an animal but um you know that was i mean obviously a whirlwind You know it was the first elk i ever had in front of me so I'm, you know i'm as I'm looking at this thing, I'm regurgitating all the stuff that I've heard on YouTube, you know, as far as like trying to judge these things and what I'm looking for and, uh, you know, and really just trying to put it together. And when I ask Richard, you know, I'm like Richard, am I killing this thing or what? And He's like, you know, you've got to do it on your own. And uh at that point, it's like score really doesn't matter. You know, he just he, the look of him was just I mean, I was already shook. You know, you've heard the story. I man. I was a complete mess. And um but it worked out you know i'm sitting here looking at him now and my, my taxidermist did an absolute bang up job on him and it's uh you know what do you say it's a, it's a world record for a guy who's yeah. been bow hunting for you know maybe six years so it's you know yeah you know that's six uh, years uh, man. you know 2022 was just, it was a pipe dream uh it was the whole year was just uh, you know it was pipe dream kind of stuff like you know everything got in front of me day one it was just monstrous and most guys that know me know if I go to shoot a mule deer and a mule deer shows up, that mule deer is getting shot. Like, I'm not the guy to, like, yeah. the really, scrutin- really scrutinize, like, you know, I'm going to be successful and check, you know, and success is, that's top of the list. Everything else kind of, you know, mass, and you know, all this other stuff goes goes second to success. And, uh, you know, it just, it worked out.
1: You know, that's actually what I appreciated most about you because you're at the convention. Um, you received a new world record. You received two awards, uh, muskox and polar bear. Correct.
0: Correct. Yeah. So and they got the muskox written up as the tenth, the tenth biggest
1: in one convention, and so you're like, well, this guy's a this guy's a score guy, you know, all he cares about score. But then you talk and you're like, no, nah, man, I just like to kill stuff. Like, just so happens these were big ones, you know, like that's just that that was really cool.
0: First animal day one type stuff. Down on all the that's big crazy. Stuff. and you know that really started the streak really started in 2020 when i went out to my buddy john hedges place in arizona and we got on um is it 2020? that 2020 that's 2021 it's 2021 it was like it was august before my goat hunt um we got on a coos deer in three hours spot and stalk the second i saw him in the spot it's like he he's in a really bad spot you know it's just over a ridge you know maybe a 60 yard shot that one worked out perfectly You know, from there, I went to the goat hunt. I mean, obviously, that goat hunt was not, you know, that's not something you just do out of the back of the truck. That was a hunt and, you know, successful there, successful in the moose. And then I went to 2022 and, you know, everything kind of lined up there. But again, those are all the very first animal I had in front of me on all those hunts. And it just, it all worked out. So. So definitely not chasing score, man. Just chasing, just chasing the critter. I just man. want him on the wall. I want a, a good representative on the wall. And if it can be Pope and Young, that's obviously that would be you know success. in yeah. Pope and Young, that's that's the goal. And then everything after that's a bl- a plus.
1: So uh, I've got a, a, a lot of questions here buzzing through my head. Um, so before we get to the polar bear and the muskox, which the polar bear is just an insane story. Um, it's also an insane piece of taxidermy work. Um, but it really is bef- before we get to that six years of bow hunting. So were you a rifle hunter before that? Or did you just, were you an adult onset hunter and you just started killing world records? Uh,
0: well, you know, as a kid, I was always following dad around the woods, you know, grew up in very rural North Carolina. Um, uh, you know, my dad was a big hunter, big fisher, you know, a fisherman. That's really all he grew up doing. Uh, you know, so you know, I grew up looking at, you know, deer tracks and, you know, knowing what scrapes were and just, you know, not really being taught how to do it. Just, you know, just being exposed to it for so long as a young guy, you know, just kind of, it kind of gives it more of a, you know, a natural type feeling when you're out there looking at things because it's just, you know, something you've been exposed to forever. Um, When I was younger, we did some rifle hunting. Um, I wanted to get into archery really bad. Uh, You know, I kind of stuck my toe in it and, you know, Oh, like late '90s, like when I was in the military out in Colorado Springs, perfect place to do it. But at that time, I was getting into the bodybuilding, you know. And bodybuilding to me was more important than, than archery, so it was kind of you know something I put down to pick up something else. But you know, once bodybuilding kind of ran its course, you know, hunting made more sense. You know, it was cheaper, didn't take as much time. You know, uh, you know, you're a bodybuilder twenty four seven. You know, you can hunt you know Saturday morning between you know sunrise and noon. You know, whereas bodybuilding, you're doing it constantly, so it was definitely something that was uh was easier to do with you know a small sun around um and that really that really got me back into hunting um the first the first season i had was 2017 uh, i believe and it was in the fairfax county park program um and it's just a, a deer management program they run here in fairfax and for me it was great because i know absolutely nobody in the area with land uh get permission in virginia is not the easiest so you know having some some you know some nice places to hunt. I mean, there's a lot of good deer behind these houses. People don't see it, but I mean, look at what the Seek one guys are doing. You know, we don't have the the quality here, but I mean, they're, they're big deer, but um, that really kind of got me into it. And um, I'm not really a kind of person that can just kind of dabble in something, man. Like I have to be, you know, I have to dive absolutely to the bottom of it. So, you know, my first travel hunt was a Ontario black bear hunt and that really kind of set the hook. After that, it was like you know, what else can I do? You know, kind of, you know, to put some things together. I went back to my my antelope spot in Colorado Springs and wound up getting antelope out there, and you know, just started chasing critters around and you know, you know, checking boxes and putting hunts together. And you know, after you know a couple years of doing this, you know, I find myself 25 yards from a polar bear, and it was, it's just kind of, you know, it just kind of snowballed, and one of these things to where. You know, I'm I'm doing these hunts and you know, I'm getting excited about things and going and seeing places and, you know, having success. And it's like, you know, obviously I want to keep it going. And it just, it kind of turned you into think what it the, turned you into. You
1: think the polar bear hunt, you think he was like less aggressive because he was like, dang, this mug's as big as I am. Like, don't want to fight this guy. You oh, know? no,
0: no, no. He was, <laughs> he was 10 out of 10, ready to, ready to go. The second he laid so, eyes on me, he had a target and he was coming.
1: That's what I don't want to get to that story yet, because that that's an incredible story. But that to me is insane, dude. You don't hear somebody say started bow hunting six years ago, and I've already killed a polar bear with my recurve. Like that is that's insane to me, dude. Like I don't even know that. I, I wouldn't I do obviously, that I'm you're the I, type of dude if that if just goes all into- in.
0: That was a little bit much. And to be honest, if I could get on the plane right now and <laughs> repeat that hunt in the exact same in the exact same way, I wouldn't do it because that was just
1: really it was
0: a lot. It was yeah, it was too much, man. That uh well if the dogs were different, you know, because the dogs are just not, you know, and again we'll get into it more in depth, but the dogs didn't they weren't as advertised. And that was the only yeah. beef with the hunt, you know, because every video I watched, all the dogs are absolute killers. You know, they've got these bears, you know, bayed. You know, ones nipping at its hindquarters while the other, you know, it's completely encircled. Um, the dogs they had really couldn't couldn't have cared less. It was uh, it was yeah. bad. So you know, two two of the six dog, I mean, two of the eight dogs really saved the day and barely, barely, really sticky. That was a yeah. That was a that was a, a sticky situation.
1: So how did this how did this snowball happen? Like how how did it? I mean obviously you probably didn't start with a recurve you probably didn't start hunting ox with a recurve. Um so how this this right, process right. look for you? Adult onset bow hunter which it's, I love talking to uh because I love man I, I just I hate the excuse of like well it's too late for me now. Like you know I, I man I wish I would have got into that when I was a kid. Um it's not too late. You know here sits a gentleman that started yeah. 6 years ago and he's killing world records. So um how that how that Process look, man. What what kind of barriers do you have to overcome? Like, how'd you, how'd you get into it?
0: I mean, you know, I, I think it's, I think, uh, you know, hunting is kind of personal. It's like a personal sport, kind of like bodybuilding. Oh, yeah. Your success is based directly on how much you put into it, or at least that's how I see it. Um, so for somebody like me coming into bow hunting and not really knowing what I was doing, to be completely honest, you know, I needed a lot of help. So um, I, I don't know who I was talking to, but I got on the bow site. And you know, I say this on every single podcast I'm on, like bow site is ground zero for the best bow hunting information on the internet. There, there's just absolute killers on that site. They're all knowledgeable. They're all, you know, I mean, you got experts in certain areas that just they've been, you know, guys have been chasing elk in, you know, Colorado for 30 years. I mean, who else better to talk to? You know, not some, you know, Facebook guy from Michigan, you know, that's, you know, watched eight YouTube videos. And it's just It's the place to go. So I think that with my competitive nature kind of let me, it opened the door enough to where I could, you know, have access to the information I needed to kind of be successful. And, you know, that compared, I mean, that, you know, combined with my competitive nature, it's like, you know, I kind of want to do the next thing and the next thing. Um, And that's just how it kind of evolved. You know, it's, you know, I kind of started with a low hanging fruit, like, you you know, Black Bear and Antelope. Those are obviously cost effective. There's a million of them, there's, you know, tons of places to do it, you know successfully and affordably. Um, and then after that, I kind of stepped it up. I think my next bigger hunt after that was mountain lion. Um, yeah, the mountain lion hunt. And that was one of the ones where I felt like I could be successful with a recurve. Um, and my first exposure to that was, uh, uh, black bear camp at stick flingers in 18. So, you know, it was a year, year or so after I started. Um, and it was just another kind of you know, a way to make something that's difficult, even more difficult more challenging. And to me that's, you know, that's, that's right up my alley. Um Obviously it was something that, you know, for me, it was a big learning curve on um, shooting a bow anyway, at, you know, at 280 pounds, you know, you walk in, it was like, Oh, that guy's got a hundred pound drawling or draw weight. You know, it's like maybe so, but I, you know, I have the, I have the muscle finesse of a linebacker, you know, trying to be, you know, a ballet dancer. It just didn't work out right. So there was a lot of things that I had to do and change to be able to get myself to where I could, you know, shoot a bow correctly at, you know, a bigger size. Um, and even more so with a recurve, uh, you know, cause those muscles in the back are just, it's, they're different. You know, I feel, you know, you shoot a lot of recurve. It's just a different, you know, same, but different. And, um, so, you know, I really had to transition out of that to get into the, uh, to get into the, the, the recurve stuff, but God, the recurve stuff just makes it, you know, so much more difficult and getting you know that close to animals and you know uh, but again I've, I've been in situations where they're mostly predators or they're close up they're baited so you know that kind of situation but chasing these you know chasing these white tails up close is tough super tough yeah but it's a lot of fun
1: so let's unpack that just a little bit because a lot of guys you know like you said they think they're they're big and bad um, but it's just a it's a complete different game when you go to shoot a bow um, so I think there's two sides to this, because I have successfully gotten national champion strongman Joey Zatmary into hunting, got him his first buck. I mean the dude is picks up the earth, you know, deadlift 750, squats, sure, you know, 700, oh, for sure. like just just unreal strength. Um, and so yeah, while he does draw the draw the bow back easy. It's a it's a finesse right. kind of drawing a weight. You know, it's not yeah. slamming weights around. Yeah. Um, however, I do right. think that people that train and lift weights also have muscle mind connection. So it's easier for them to learn. You know, it's easier for them to feel your back muscles compressing to, to draw your. But you know what I mean? Because they're used to paying attention. Oh, to I know how what you're moving. Mean. Yeah.
0: Right. And my, my mind muscle connection with my back is exceptional because I've got a, I was able to really develop my back and it's because I'm able to, you know, tell my brain where specifically to fire during a contraction to completely develop the muscle. Um, so, you know, when I'm drawing a bow back, I can absolutely feel where things need to be and, you know, how things need to go. And, you know, once I get enough reps in, you know, things get locked in, but again, you can't do this consistently when you're doing this with, you know, 300 pounds. It just it, yeah. it, it basically drowns it out. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, this is the symphony and, you know, this is death metal. And, you know, it's going to, one blares out the other <laughs> one all day long. And uh,
1: That's a good way I, to put that's it. That's
0: really, <laughs> that's really all I can, that's really the only way I can think about, you know, you know, they're, they're both similar, but really different. And, uh, yeah, you know, and it's just, it makes it different. But, uh, you know, so I had to transition out of that to get into the, uh, you know, to get in the bow hunt and even transition more to get into the recurve stuff. Um yeah. again it's something I really want to be successful at. But again, the success, you know, you're you're rebooking a lot of hunts with the trad gear. And um that's just something I'm not in a in a spot financially where I can do. So, you know, when I make a decision to take a recurve on a hunt, it's because I'm one hundred percent confident that, you know, I could make it happen with that weapon. Um and even still I take a compound. Um, like the yeah. the brown bear hunt. You know, I went into that hunt shooting just never shot as confidently and uh and I, you know, went right down the middle first night but um you know the uh, the graduation to the compound all the recurve stuff it just it's a completely different game and uh the allure for somebody with a competitive nature it's uh you know it's hard to say no to guys
1: if you have been around archery much at all then you've probably heard the name lancaster And for good reason, Lancaster Archery is well-known worldwide, and they have an incredible reputation worldwide. Why? Because they're archery experts on all things archery, from bow hunting to 3D shooting, from recurves to compounds. If it's archery, they not only sell the products, but they know the products. Guys, Lancaster is your one-stop shop for all things bear archery, every compound, recurve, all the equipment. But outside of Bear, they have everything you need from arrows and broadheads to to bow building equipment, everything. Guys, Lancaster Archery is a name that you can absolutely trust. They put out some of the best information that you can find just about anywhere. So I would highly encourage you. To not only shop at lancasterarchery.com because you can trust in the products you're buying because they know about the products that you're buying but also i would highly encourage you to check out all of their resources not only on their website but on their youtube channel because they are a wealth of knowledge on all things archery so guys check out lancaster archery they're your one-stop shop not only for all of the equipment that you could ever possibly need that's archery related but also all of the information that you would ever need that is archery related, Lancasterarchery.com. Go check them out. So, what do you say? What do you say to the guy um, first? You know, they're switching to a recurve. What are some of the easiest hunts you found? And "easy" is never a word to use when talking about hunting. But what are some of the best hunts you found to to start using
0: a recurve mm. for? Black bear perfect go to stick cleaners and kill black bear they're 12 yards away they're gonna give you a broadside shot you know it's the baits are in good locations and there's tons of animals you know black bear is a a great start um really any of the predators you know where you can get them in a spot and get them still uh you know that was kind of my thinking um as far as being easy you know that's one of those things i kind of you know my cat hunt took You know, I think that was over in six hours. So it's just my hunt, how I grade my hunts is a little bit different because I've, you know, I've gotten lucky in so many spots. Um, So they've all been, you know, relatively on the easy side, so to speak. Um, But the practice going into those things is really what, you know, is what is the hard part for me. Because taking the recurve, like I'm, I'm down here in the basement, you know, around the backyard or wherever, you know, every night, you know, it's just one of those things like if I don't do it every day, it's easy for me to forget, you know, even though things are, I, you know, I just feel like I have to be right there on it. So it's just, I have yeah. to practice it every single day. Um, so that's, that's really the biggest thing going into those, co- those recurve hunts is just, you know, going out for me anyway, going out with the confidence to know that, you know, once I, you know, once I draw that bow back, that is going to go where I want it to go. And, um, you know, the cat hunt for me, I, I guess the, I guess my best takeaway from that hunt is again, this was one of my very first hunts, right? You know, we get this cat squared away. He's 12 yards up, and the first shot on him, you know, considering the angle he was, you know, perfect shot. And, you know, the outfitter starts yelling at me, shoot him again. I'm thinking I did something wrong, you know? And I basically just rifle one up, you know, from the hip as quick as possible, and it, you know, it nailed him perfect again. I didn't think about it at the time. He's, cause the guy's yelling at me. The Dogs are blaring up. It's just not a situation I'm used to. He's yelling at me again to shoot him again. So I knock another one, and this time he had turned toward me. You know, so I'm looking at the front of a cat. You know, you got the chest. That's maybe, you know, maybe a, a cantaloupe. Rifle another one, you know, right down the middle. And you know, after the fact, I'm looking back. I'm like, you know what? All that practice actually helped because when I was, you know, basically, you know, shotgunning those things up there at him, they were all right where they needed to be. Turns out he just didn't want the cat to hit the ground with any wind left in him. You know, he didn't want to go in on the dogs. So he probably should have told me how that to, you know, begin with because I thought I was yeah. doing something wrong or shooting them in a bad spot. But, you know, after the fact of looking back, it's like, holy shit, like I put three, like right down the middle, right Right. where it's supposed to be. And granted, it's 12 yards, but, you know, for a guy who's kind of new to the woods, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of want to pat myself on the back a little bit after that. So, you know, just little things like that in those hunts are, you know, kind of what think, you know, make me think, you know, okay, well, maybe, you know, that went well. You know, maybe the muskox could work out, you know, because they're not really, you know, I'm not in a tree stand waiting for one to come by with my fingers crossed type thing. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I got into it with the Predators. My last hunt with it was the brown bear. Yeah, it's a brown bear. And um, it's a lot of fun, though. It makes everything, you know, uh, orders of magnitude harder than with the compound.
1: Now, you just just said something that I've actually thought about and considered a lot. You know, when it comes to whitetail hunting and you're sitting in a tree stand, really when it comes to all hunting, you can do everything right, and the animal just doesn't cooperate. Like, you can do everything picture perfect, exactly how you're supposed to, and the animal just doesn't cooperate, which is a sucky thing about this sport. Like, some of the best hunters can go out and do everything right, and it doesn't happen. So, what do you say to the guy who hasn't, and I, who hasn't, it hadn't come easy? You know, they're trying and they're doing everything right, but it's just not working. You know, when I think about, you know, bodybuilding. You know, if you put in the work, there's no luck to that. You know, there's no luck to getting big and strong. Right, there's, and- a,
0: there's a lot of, var- there's a lot of variables in that equation as well. I mean, you Correct. know, I see guys showing up to the gym religiously, but they're not eating correctly. You know what right. I mean? So, you know, this guy might be getting up and, you know, sitting in the right spots, but you know, he might be hunting the bad wind, you know, so yeah. there might be a, a variable in the, in the equation that needs to be tweaked instead of, you know, maybe that's the issue. But I mean, honestly just go just get out there and go yeah I mean, you know i went on all these hunts you know expecting to just just wanting to be successful period not chasing any numbers any you know you know just a good representative animal and it just really just stars kind of a line for me um but you got to go you got to be out there you know if you're not out there you can't get it done so that's just yeah. you know and same thing with bodybuilding you know if you're not if you're not doing the work and you're not putting one foot forward Every single day, the progress is never gonna happen. It's the same thing going to the woods. I mean, you know, you gotta make it happen.
1: Right. All right. Let's get into it. The polar bear. The most incredible story. Which Let's which go. I actually saw I actually saw this bear not knowing it. Cause this bear, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, this bear went on tour with the Kenai guys, right?
0: Yeah, so they, they took him around to some of the sheep shows and um Yes. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they didn't dress him up, you know, specifically to my, you know, to, you know, what my bear looked like, because I guess they wanted just to buy the box, you know, out of the box polar bear. Um, but once they got him back and they're like, do you want the scars added? And, you know, obviously I said yes. And they put the scars on them. It was just incredible, incredible. Yeah. And this thing, I mean, you know, you can see him. <laughs> oh my God. He's every time you walk down here, it's a polar bear it's just yeah. never, and he's on wheels too, so you can roll this thing around. He's impressive from, I mean, dead on from the back. It's just, he's like a freight train, and it's just. So, uh,
1: if if you're listening to this and you don't know, and you don't know the history behind this, you can't bring back polar bears. Um, so, Kenai is a company at uh, a. Uh, uh, do you still call him taxidermist? Kanadi. Kanadi. Yeah, Kanadi. Still-
0: well, they yeah they do a lot of they yeah they do a ton of taxidermy, but they also do a lot of replica stuff. Yes, uh, you know stuff that you can't import, or stuff that you you know could import, but at a ridiculous price. So the uh, the replica's a better way to go. If you lost something, I guess, but yeah, the work they did on the polar bear was was perfect. It looks perfect. Yep.
1: So that's why they're asking. I just wanted to go. That's why they're saying you want the scars added because it's a replica of his bear. It's not the actual bear. Oh yeah, can't bring the bear back. So, um, so I saw this bear. And anytime you see polar bear taxidermy, like it doesn't even have to be good taxidermy. It's like what it's like. It's like you said, it's just like, holy crap, dude, that's a polar bear. It's a, like, it's a bear. That, yeah. It's a freaking polar bear. Now you have it in your house. It's um, a, that's a bear. Yeah. Good grief. Um, is it your spirit animal has to be a polar bear? Like I'm just, it's got
0: to be. <laughs> Either that, I mean, honestly, man, the brown was a little more intimidating. Like it just, just like a physical appearance. Really? Because, you know, the polar bear, yeah, the polar bear kind of like a couch potato. I mean, he was a, you know, a massive couch potato, but a couch potato. Nonetheless, the brown bear just looked like a silverback. He was just stacked when he stood there with his arms bowed. You could see everything going on. And he's, I mean, I shot him at five yards, man. You could hear this thing. Oh, you know, you, you could hear the whole thing and it's. I got Harold sitting there. We had one stick stick his face in the blind. And I would have shot him, you know, five steps before that happened. And Harold's over there, cool as a cucumber. But, um, I was ready to blast him, you know, I've been, I, I've been in the blind for a couple hours and he shows, I mean, the second he comes in, I'm, I got tension on the string and Harold had to talk me off the, off the ledge on that one, but I was ready to go. I mean, it's like, it's, there's a brown bear and you know, it's a brown bear. And he's like, no, you gotta wait. He's like, that other big one's gonna come in. He's like, he's much bigger. And I'm like, are you sure? Um, are you sure? Like he's right here. Like he hunt, hunt. This is it. I can do this. He's like, I'm sure. When the other one came in, there was no doubt. There was absolutely no doubt. I mean, his his hide was better. He, did, he was just blockier. It was like ear. comparing, like comparing Eric
1: to Dylan is what it was like. That's what it was like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 yeah, in so many words. But when he <laughs> comes in, it was just like, holy moly! Like that's that's a brown bear, and um. You know, he comes in and he lays, he lays looking at the blind, you know, and of course the whole time I'm just waiting for that, you know, opportunity and, you know, I'm figuring for sure when he gets up, you know, he's going to do the thing where he kind of stands up and looks around and takes that lazy turn and, you know, Mosey's off, dude, he stood up and like took a couple steps back made a quick flip and just, just left. Crazy, mm. crazy. Those things are definitely not black bears. They do not yeah. hunt like black bears at all. Yeah. So they're a little smarter. The
1: Polar bear hunt. What, what? First off, like, what made you want to hunt polar bear? Like, what was it that said, yeah, it's polar bear for me?
0: Well, I mean, first off, it's, you know, obviously polar bears. And it's, you know, it's one of these things that was, you know, when I was, you know, first getting into stuff, you know, when I was, you know, shopping these hunts early, you know, you know, I'm doing all the rounds, you know, you know, checking all the hunts and prices. And, you know, I take one look at polar bears and immediately know, I'll never do this. You know, this is, you know, they're talking about 40 grand just to go up there and, you know, trophy fees and eight grand with the flights and hotel rooms are four or 500 bucks every night and, you know, stuff like that. So immediately I look at polar bears for two seconds. It's like, that, that's never going to happen. Um, cut to a couple of years later, um, a buddy tags me in a post on Facebook for a last minute cancellation. This was uh 2022. Um, and it was a leftover hunt from, uh, from 2020. And of course it was, you know, you know what happened in 2020. It's a Hungarian guy had the hunt book, basically paid for all of it, left a little bit on the table he ran an outfit in business in Hungary and was so stacked up, you know, once the COVID rules lifted for him, he couldn't make it out for his hunt. So I wound up getting it for not cheap by any means, but it was in a price range to where, I, you know, I could pull the trigger on it, get it done, and have that memory forever. And, um, and I, I did it and it was, um, it was as by the book a polar bear hunt as you could have had flight wise and travel wise. It was seven days door to door. No flights got missed. So that was that was kind of uh, not usual. But um but that's kind of how the hunt got on the radar to begin with. I actually missed the first one. Um the guy called me up, you know, I got into the, you know, it was that the, the honey tag me in. Um I called the guy and it was like ten o'clock at night, and I was just getting the kid home and I was like, you know, it was a big decision. I wasn't gonna call the guy and just like done, sold. You know, I had a few questions. Um, but so it's almost like, look, you know, I'm not a tire kicker. I'm extremely interested in this hunt. I was like, just let me get a good night's sleep. I'll call you in the morning. We'll talk details. Everything sounds good. I'll give you some cash. Going. You know, we'll, we'll start the process. He's like, okay, no problem. I know, like four o'clock in the morning. I got a text from him. He's like, I sold the hunt. It's like, okay, well, I missed it. Go on the, go on the muskox hunt, come back. The guy calls me up with another cancellation hunt. And that's, that's the Hungarian guy that couldn't make it out. So that's the one I actually wound up picking up. Um, it actually wound up being, slightly more expensive, but at a lower latitude. So it was not as cold, you know, less travel, you know, cause there's little bounce those little, you know, puddle jumpers up there above, you know, Ottawa and stuff. When you start getting those Canadian North flights, it's real spotty, man. They're always delayed their cargo planes. It's, you know, so Laura was better in my mind, you know, less logistics to worry about. Um, I think, I think when I booked the hunt, man, I was three weeks out. So it was a, it was a super quick turnaround. Oh, Lord. and, um, yeah. And, but it was one of those things. It's like, look, I got a, I got a huge opportunity to do something I would never be able to do otherwise. And it's like, you know, this is the situation. So, do I do it? If I do, it's got to be in three weeks. So, uh, you know, we jumped on it and uh, everything goes as planned. And we get up to, uh, we get up to Hall Beach. I meet the outfitter. Um, we get checked in. You know, I shake some gear out, you know, that night at night in the hotel, get everything squared away, meet the dudes the next morning. Um, and he told me before we got there, you know, he's like, don't pet the dogs. He's like, you know, Americans like dogs. Like, these dogs are not – they're farm they're farm animals. You know what I mean? They're they're working. They're implements. They're farm tools. They're not – they're not, you know, you're not cuddling with these things. So I'm thinking, perfect. That's exactly how I want these dogs to be, vicious. Um, But they didn't turn out to be. We had eight of them. Um, <laughs> load them up in the Kamatuck, just... <laughs> and we get on this thing. Nah. nah. Just rub it up, up against two, your legs. There were two that, that you know – yeah. I mean, there were two there that just, you know, they like they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, but not, you know, they weren't Cujo like I was expecting. Um, yeah. but you know, so we, uh, we wake up morning off. they do some grocery shopping and we get tags and stuff squared away. Um, and then we get on the camera and man, take a helmet. That camera tug yeah. ride was ferocious. Um, I got three quick clips of it and those three quick clips probably took about 45 takes because every time I'd get something done, it would just flop it out of my hand. Um, so there's 11 hours of just literally getting your ass kicked and there's really no way around it. Um, once we get out there, you know, we're in a place called the Gulf of Boothia. We're camping out on the ocean um, in an area that's just full of seals. And uh, you know, we spotted some tracks getting out there when we first got to camp and, you know, big dinner plate sized tracks. I mean, clearly a big animal. And they're like, this is a nine and a half foot bear and he's got to be close because, you know, these tracks are fresh. Um, It was clear as a whistle that day. Next morning we wake up and it's cloudy, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, no snow coming down. Uh, We did have a snowstorm coming that morning, but they said it was whiteout conditions um, and they couldn't see the tracks really well. So basically it looked like that for three days. We never got out. Um, We just sat in the tent, you know. Played on the phone, you know, talked to the guys a little bit. They spoke mainly in the native language. I only talked to one of the guys who was, you know, a younger fellow, but he, you know, I did mostly communicate with him. Um, we did get out that first day uh, before a storm came in, just got up on a knoll and uh, glassed around a little bit and immediately spotted three a mom and cubs. They stick out like a sore thumb. They're not white. They're very, very yellow. Um, and, you know, at the time, you know, when it first happened, I didn't realize how yellow they were until I went to Canada and actually saw the hide mounted, you know, this was after I'd gotten my replica back and it was like, this thing is, I mean, you can kind of see on his, on his, on his legs, you know, where, you know, he's kind of orange yeah. or yellow at the, at the bottom and whitish at the top. They should have started at the top with the yellowish of the color of his, you know, the color of his feet should be on his face. And then that, that color should fade down into a much, a much brighter yellow or orangeish. This is coming from a colorblind guy, by the way. So take that with a grain of salt. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, you can spot them. Su- <laughs> you can spot them super easy. There's nothing to it. You know, they're they're very yellowish. They're not white, so they stick out. Um, you know, so we go back to the tent today. Next thing you know, we're snowed in. Uh, you know, really doing nothing, eating Arctic char fresh out of the ocean. So it's not you know not a bad deal. But um, when we did finally get out, uh, we were out for uh, maybe three hours, and we had spotted uh, you know what we thought was the mom and cub tracks again, uh, a couple eight foot bear tracks, and then the one big one. Uh, and as soon as we spot him, you know, like, it's perfect. This is the guy we're looking for. And he was basically walking parallel with some pack ice and these little, uh, humps of little islands, you know, cause we're on the ocean and the pack ice basically starts, I guess, where it's far enough away from the, the islands to where, you know, the movement of the ocean creates enough, you know, uh, force to where it can buckle the ice and the ice buckles up on itself. He's walking parallel between that, um, we get close enough to him to let the dogs go and stuff. So we saddle up, you know, get on the sled, and take off. We get about sixty yards away and he cuts the front two dogs go. Um, Bears pay no attention to us whatsoever. No, no pause, no breaking gate. Like he's just, you know, hammering along. Um, he recognizes the dogs when they get maybe 30 yards away. And when he does, he just kind of turns around, and notices them, just kind of, instead of walking straight, he just kind of veers over to the pack. It's the last place we want him to go because we can't follow him. Um, well, when he gets to that pack ice, he kind of he kind of finds a, um, you know, just a buckle of ice or just you know a bulge of ice, and he does that defensive thing where they lay down flat. You know, it's like okay, we're here here here's the opportunity. Um, at that point, he cuts the other dogs loose, and the other dogs just scatter. They just they pay no attention to the bear whatsoever. Um, the dogs are actually they actually did a really good job this way because they actually went into the pack ice and stopped them. So you know, basically the bear is into the pack ice. The dogs are further into the pack ice, but he had stopped and he's looking at the, you know, the dogs. So I am like, okay, well, this is perfect. Now I need to sneak around this thing, you know, get around where he's paying attention to the dogs, get a shot on them. So I'm going in, got everything knocked. You know, I got my guide behind me and I'm thinking he's, you know, got the video tab selected. Anyhow, he wound up taking a picture, super good picture, but no video. Um, anyway, I'm about to draw on this thing. He's laying down. I'm waiting for him to stand up. And when he, when he turns around, he finally looks at us for the first time. The second he gets us in frame, he charges immediately. There's no hesitation. He comes right at us. He, he had a target and he was coming. I peel around the guide expecting gunshots to go off, you know. And, uh, you know, I get about three-fourths of the way behind him, he grabs, he grabs me by the hood. He's like, come back, come back, come back. I can only assume that once the, the bear charged, the dogs chase the bear. And to the bear, the dogs were more of a threat than we were, so he took up the defensive position again. But anyhow, when he grabbed me and spun me back around, I went, you know, back and picked all my gear up because that just went flying, um, you know, and I knocked my arrow and stuff. And I ran up to what I thought was a, you know, a close enough range, you know, and ranged him at twenty five, and uh, and sent one in him. And I thought it was a repeat of the muskot shot. It was, it was low and forward, and it looked like it hit him in his arm. Um, when actually it did hit his arm, but it got through his meat and went up into his rib cage and got the top of his heart and the bottom of his lungs. Um, at the time, again, I thought it was a bad shot. I'm knocking an arrow and I'm kind of I'm trying to run around because I'm going to start launching, you know, 50 yard bombs at a running polar bear because he's running where I can't get him. He's been cut at this point, you know, at this part. I mean, this time at this point, he's been tagged, you know, because he's been hit. And um, he gets like 40 yards away and he stops and he sits down. He spins around like he's going to sniff himself like a dog and just falls over on his back with his feet up, stone dead. Unbelievable. Oh, I mean,
1: my gosh.
0: For an animal that size to go that quick. And when I look back at the guide, he didn't have his rifle in his chest. This guy just, I don't know what happened, but he left it on the sled. So I had no rifle backup. So if that—if those dogs hadn't got that bear's attention, it would have just been one swipe, two swipes. And, oh, you my gosh. Gosh, the family the family would have been getting phone calls but after that was just when you're sitting there and that that's just happened i mean the adrenaline is almost how do you even <sighs>
1: shoot how do you even compose yourself to make a shot after a grizzly bear was just staring down your i mean coming at you
0: yeah when you're locked in man it's just i don't know it was just you're in the moment Did and I'd it have, just, it's got out of heat
1: everywhere bro
0: I'd have just peed everywhere. I, don't I, just, know. I was. I I guess I just had my head in that moment. I, again, I thought I had some back. Uh, you know, I, I at least had that confidence that if something did happen, you know, I, I expect. I, you know, if I if I had a pause button, I could have paused it and turned around and looked. When I was standing there with the recurve in my hand, I would have expected him to be back there like this, which apparently never happened. But um. You know, it, it worked out like it worked out and, uh, Good it happened. but it was, um, the adrenaline from that didn't wear off for days and the effects of it were just, you know, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think right. Like, it, you know, I was not hungry because it's just, that's, that's just something you're never going to, I'm never, I'm never going to feel the same way I felt as you feel when you have a polar bear charging you. you, you there's nothing that's ever going to make you feel that way, you know, now, when, so when, he, when he you started
1: know, charging how close did he get to you? I mean, are we talking a forty-yard chart? Was he forty yards know. away, or was he a hundred yards away?
0: He was I mean, thirty. He was thirty yards away. <sighs> so I mean, I was to the I was to the point where you can see in the picture. I'm, you know, I've got the bow up, and I'm just he's laying down, and he's looking toward the dogs, and I was just basically waiting for him to stand up, you know, or give me, a, you know, give me at least a better shot because I didn't want to shoot him laying down. Um, but when he swung his head around and spotted us, literally, man, the second he saw us. He was coming toward us. And the second I saw him stand up and start lunging is when I peeled away. And I guess the bears, you know, immediately spun spun back around when the dogs got on him. So it got nuts. It got nuts quick. And it, it, it was almost as, it was over as fast as it started, you know, because I go from thinking I put a bad hit on a bear, the hunts over like a hunt that I probably shouldn't have spent the money on is just, is now over. You know, because I, I made a bad shot and then he dies. So you go from, oh, my God, I ruined it to holy shit. I just killed a polar bear with a recurve. And it's it took a couple of days to shake that off, man. That I don't that's it's just.
1: That's unreal, man.
0: That's what I'm Unreal It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable so how cold and that was we talking? The, uh,
1: how cold is this on this hunt
0: it was th- this hunt was this hunt was very mild man i mean we're talking i think when i shot him it was 25 degrees Oh, so, okay you know i had a couple yeah, i had a couple base layers on i think i had, uh, I had those baffin boots i have my feet i just I, I keep cold feet so i run those baffin boots the same ones i had on the uh, on the Muscots hunt um, I just had a couple base layers on, um, you know, the Kuyu zip-off base layers, um, the super down set, and I, I wore my Yukon rain gear set over it, Um, you know, because that kind of locked everything in windproof-wise, and I didn't have to worry about any, you know, snow and stuff kicking up off the snowmobiles and, you know, getting my clothes wet. So, I was just, a, you know, a, a really a perfect combination for that hunt. worked out perfectly.
1: So, how cold was the muskox hunt?
0: Negative 40, and that was just God. brutal. I mean, you take... You take your fingers out of your gloves, and it's just needles. And these guys are are chipping holes in the ice and washing their hands off after they skin this thing. No problem. They got big hands. Big hands.
1: How do you – so – and what's funny is I I know a lot of guys who have killed muskox. I know a lot of guys who have killed polar bears. Uh, But I've never got to really ask the questions, how do you even go about staying warm? in negative 40 degrees with wind blowing snow plowing through i mean how do you even begin
0: to stay big warm in that big night? clothes big clothes it was uh so i started off everything obviously you know several base layers um and then uh my buddy 84 pairs of is... base layers <laughs> yeah. so he's uh there's no telling how many arctic critters have been killed in this uh in this trans Alaskan suit that he let me borrow. But this thing probably weighs 12 pounds. You know, it's an old Cabela suit, one piece onesie <laughs> thing. But uh, I, before the muskox hunt was initially booked, because I, I booked it in 2018 for 2020, and it got canceled three days before I was supposed to leave because of COVID. Um, and I was out there in March trying to practice in this thing because it's big. I mean, it's a heavy suit. You know, I'm trying to get a feel for what, you know, what it's going to be like, you know, that type of thing. And um, it was 30 degrees out. And that, that does not work. I mean, it has to be, it has to be zero to even start to thinking about wearing that suit because it's just, it's too hot. I mean, I get five shots in there, you know, next thing you know, the front's unzipped and I'm out there like fat Elvis, you know, ripping, ripping arrows in the driveway. And it was just, it's a hot, hot suit. But even on top of that, on top of that, you know, you go with the Alaskan, I mean, the uh, that Canadian down stuff, you know, you go over the top of it with that. And it was just uh, the Baffin boots and uh, Beaver. Beaver fur hat. Um One of my Cree nation friends in Canada had her family make me uh, like a legit moose leather beaver fur hat and some mittens. And it is the single best piece of gear that I own hands down. I can wear, I can wear a Stratus set into the twenties with that, with that piece of gear. And if it gets too cold, I just put the hat on. It makes everything better. Th- th- no heat gets lost. I'm completely perfect. I'm not sitting there and you know, that massive fanatic set where I'm all bulked up and bought, you know, puffy it's just it, it's hands down the best piece of gear i, I own but that was on that hunt was and you wouldn't think mittens just just regular beaver fur mittens would be so protective against negative 40 but they were just i mean they're essential in that situation i couldn't imagine being on one of those arctic hunts and not having fur gear um I, the guys on the polar bear hunt had that dog dog fur boots and i thought that was nuts uh you know because like, i see like it puppy. Like, that's super interesting i was like. Dog. Like dog, like puppy. Dog. Ah. Yes. What? And I seen him I'm like, yo, that first cool, man. I was like, that I was like, wolf? I was like, is that a wolf or something? You know, where'd you guys get it? Oh like, no, it's a dog. I'm like, I was like, okay. I was like, was he old or was he sick? You know, I was like, that's a story. He's like, I just needed some boots. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, when you're in Hall Beach, Nunavut, and you need boots, and then, <laughs> you're not running the target. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, you bro, is that boots, wolf? He's like, I guess. He's like, nah, bro, that's pretty I, spaniel dog. That's dog, man. But <laughs> no, hey, that's my that's, by me, that's my wife's poodle, bro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my, my. god! No, the gnarliest men are the the polar bear pants are the coolest though. When you see the guy show up with the polar oh, bear yeah. pants on, those are the best. You those know he's the there to kill. I stuff. wear those around. like that
1: dude. That oh, dude's yeah. there to kill stuff. Like if people. you got polar bear pants on, dude, you're just a murderer.
0: You should see the stuff that these guys have gotten their phones that their cousins have just killed because you know <laughs> they wanted to go shoot a musk ox or or a polar bear or just you know. I, I got. I'll send you the picture. And uh, this guy's cousin shot one, and he's a six-one dude. And he's you know he's laying down next to the hide on the thing, and the hide looks like you could wrap him up like a tamale in it. You know, three or four times. It is just. I'll send you the picture when we get offline. But it is one of the most obscene things i've ever seen wow and this is just one he you know they said they they got too close to town and they wanted to get rid of it you know so who knows the stuff that's just the stories they've got that they just you know kind of ho-hum you know know, that type of guy he's got polar
1: bear pants that guy he's definitely got polar bear i hope so sure yeah
0: definitely
1: Um, definitely Guys, if you run any kind of supplement for your deer, which you absolutely should, there are things that deer need. And I have found that when I run supplements for my deer, um, it keeps them on my property so they don't go wandering off onto other properties looking for that thing that they're needing. And so I have just dove fully into running minerals and protein for my deer all year long. Buck Bourbon does supplements. And attractants really really well whether you're looking for a long-range att- attractant like the 110 proof um or whether you're looking for a feed that you can run all year long in a feeder or um, even just on the ground in their barrel proof buck bourbon has what you need i can tell you story after story of going on to a new 500 acre piece dumping out some long-range attractant and deer just coming into it guys it will make a difference in the way that you see your deer come in so, guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Buck Bourbon. You can use code HUNTING101 in all caps to get 15% off. But I would just encourage you, no matter what, to start running some sort of supplement for your deer. It'll have a happier, healthy herd. You'll keep them on your property more, and you can better manage those deer. Guys, go check out Buck Bourbon. So what what's been the what's been the most difficult, most challenging, nothing happened right hunt that you've been on?
0: that's you know honestly man, I've been so fortunate on these hunts I don't have a story. It's um all my hunts have been uh I mean I've had some that weren't successful um and that was not because of you know it's just animals being animals uh you know my mount, my first mountain goat hunt didn't go as planned. I could have shot a, a, a 10- inch Billy any day from the road uh you know with a rifle. But it's like you know I want to do this with a bow. Like I just I I I I'd rather leave him here than look at him and know he had a bullet hole in him. I just it's nothing against rifle guys. I just you know it's not how I want to do it. And um, so you know we 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 ate the tag sandwich on that one. The bear the, my first bear hunt didn't go right, and that was just you know again not really you know not really one of these things where it's a bad outfitter or you know just things didn't work out. So I've been I've been really fortunate with that one. You know I've I've heard a lot of horror stories, but. You know, I've got some hunts coming up this year. Maybe I'll have some some horror stories in twenty at end of twenty four. But so far, man, every everywhere I've been has been really good. You know, I've had a couple of situations I didn't care for. You know, but I mean, considering you know the the few hunts I've been on, the few little you know kind of gripes I've got are, are really inconsequential. I've, I've had really good experiences because you know again I go to Bose and I do the research and when I spend money with these people, it's because I've got you know thirty of the best bow hunters in the world saying these dudes are the place to go. You know, so it's not like I'm drawing names out of a hat and going to, you know, Billy Bob's Blacktail Shop, you know, in who knows what, Oregon. You know, I'm going to, you know, places with reputable, you know, people who know what they're doing. And, you know, sometimes if it costs more, it costs more. But, you know, I figure, you know, buy once, cry once, you know, just just do it and, you know, try to be as successful as you can. So, yeah.
1: So what do you say to the guy who... You know, they they buy into that, that lie because that's exactly what it is. It's a lie of, man, I really wish I would have started when I was young. I, I really wish I would have got into this when I was young. It's not too late. Just start. Like, what do you say to that guy? Like, yes, there are going to be barriers, but look how worth it it is. Like, what, what do you say to that guy to really help uh, him get over that, that hump of not wanting to dive in this late in life?
0: I mean, it's just you get, pull the trigger. Just let it rip. You know what I mean? It's And I get it, man. It's intimidating because, you know, you know, starting at anything from a ground level, especially later in life, it's a lot. Yes. And, um, you know, you walk into the archery shop and there's a million things on the wall. And, it's, you know, there's so much to look at. And I can get how it can be intimidating. Um, but just uh, the way I kind of deal with that kind of stuff is, is over researching. So, you know, anytime I go into a situation I'm wary of or, Uh, you know, or I'm unsure of, you know, I kind of shore that up by doing as much research as I can. Obviously, you know, that only gets you so far. I mean, you're going to have to get to a point where the rubber needs to meet the road. And some of that research is going to have to be put in like practical application. You know what I mean? So there's going to be a lot of trial and error. There was for me, Um, but, you know, I'm not a guy that wants to, you know, if it's not broke, I'm not going to fix it type things. You know, I run the same arrows I shoot. You know, I don't, I don't do a lot of craziness to my bows. I stop, you know, I don't build a lot of arrows. You know, I keep everything really, really simple. And, um, and I do that cause I just don't want to complicate it. I mean, hung, you know, getting the A to B on a lot of these hunts is super complicated. I don't want to worry about, you know, a lot of minute things that really, to me, just didn't make a lot of difference. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like it's easy to get lost in the, the, the wave of information that's out there. Um, but it's just, you know, you just got to pull the ripcord, man, and just do it. Uh, to me, I had, I had a drive to do it. And I think if you've got a drive to do it, you really don't need that kind of, you know, that kind of pep rally. Talk like, you know, just go buy the bow, man. Like if, if somebody's wanting to get into hunting, they're going to get into hunting. You know what I mean? They're going to do it and they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to be successful, whether that's, you know, going to the woods and seeing animals or going to the woods and killing animals. To me, it's, you know, how that person wants to rate their success. That's completely up to them. But, um, you know, it's, if you've got the drive to do, it, I think you will do it. And, uh, because there's tons of information out there and it is accessible and you can find it. And it's not, it's not as diluted as bodybuilding stuff. You know, that stuff is all genie in a bottle and snake oil, um, to whereas, you know, you can actually talk to some people that have actual bow hunt experience and, you know, give you good stuff because they're not motivated by, you know, whatever else might motivate somebody to lie to you in the bodybuilding industry, you know, supplements or whatever the hell. But, um, you know, really just, uh, just get on the computer, do some research and, and, and get to it, man. Go at it. Start, start shooting some arrows.
1: Yeah. So, one question that I've got for you and you know this this is off off topic and um but a lot of guys, you know, time is an issue, money is an issue. Um resources are an issue. Um family time is an issue. How do you prioritize hunting over all that? Like and, and not over that. I'm not saying you prioritize hunting over your wife or kids or job, but you know how right, do right, you right. make time and Okay, here's a better question. How do you let mama let you spend that much money to go on a hunt? Like, that's what I got to figure out.
0: Well, she knows how I am. And, like, once I get my mind around something, it's going to happen. Like, there is no... So it's either you let me do it or I'm going to bug you
1: till you let me do it.
0: It, No, there's no no (laughs) if. Like, once I'm on something, like, I'm on it. Like, that's just, you know... I mean, I kind of, uh, I kind of ripped mother, uh, the Marvel character off the juggernaut on, you know, my, on my Instagram handle. Um, cause that's kind of how I see my mentality, man. Like once I get a little momentum, not there's nothing that's going to stop me, man. Like I have to do it. And, uh, you know, I just get going and, you know, fortunately I'm in a spot to where there's a lot of overtime hanging off the walls. And that's really the only way I can afford to do this because, you know, when I'm looking at hunts, it's like, okay, well, that's. 13 overtime shifts. You know what I mean? So let me sign up for all those overtime shifts. And of course, it's an absolute ton of work. Um, but again, she knows it's an itch. I got to scratch. And, um, and fortunately enough, every time I've gone out to do it, I've been successful. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that benefits my son as well because he sees me get a goal in mind and do whatever it takes to execute and make that goal become you know a reality so you know he sees me lugging rocks around in a sled or you know shooting in the backyard or you know watching the videos or studying shot placement or you know he sees me doing the work to you know achieve a goal whether he wants to apply that to hunting or you know a business environment you know i think that him seeing me kind of be motivated and goal oriented you know is going to help him in the long run too so um kind of got that going for me uh but as far as as far as you know as far as that goes, I just, you know, she understands me. I'm in a position at work where I can do it. And, you know, I feel like my son learns from it. So, um, and plus on the back end, man, we eat nothing but organic lean meat that I've killed. You know, and it's, we had you know elk tomahawks for Thanksgiving. It's, it's incredible. So, you know, when you kind of get, you know, those benefits to it, as far as, you know, the sun seeing you do good stuff, you know, you got good meat. I'm satisfied. I'm not driving her crazy around the house doing other stuff because, you know, I'm not scratching the itch. I want to scratch. Um, you know, I got a lot of leeway, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that aspect as well.
1: So that's something, man, that I just think, and, and, you know, we're going back to that, uh, that idea of like, well, I want to do it, but I just, uh, you know, I don't, that mentality of this is what I want. I'm going to work my tail off until I get it. It's been lost. Kids don't have it. Adults don't <laughs> have it. Everybody wants it handed to them on a silver platter. Nobody wants to get up off the couch. It's my biggest pet peeve when somebody says, yeah, but you shoot your bow every day. So can you like, no, man, I got a job. I got to be
0: at, right. I got, I got
1: to be at a job, man. Me too. Like I've got kids. I work work two hour
0: shifts, man. I work. Yeah. I've been averaging 900 hours of overtime for the last five years to do this. And it's been tough. So I I do work on both ends. You know what I mean? And it's just, I I don't know, man. I just, I can't, you know, I don't do a lot of stuff on social media. I'm not constantly posting pictures of myself tuning my bows or ripping arrows or skinning deer, but you know, the work's getting done, man. Like I do the work and um, to me, I like that's the, that's the fun part is getting that work done and then going out there and kind of putting it into practice and being successful. Like that's, that's the juice, man. That's the good stuff. Well, that's what like,
1: man, if you don't love that process and, and, you can apply this same thing in life if you don't love the process and love the suckiness of it like you're never going to be successful um i agree you know and there's times I completely agree. There, there's times where yeah i gotta wake up at 5 30 if i want to shoot there's times yeah i've got to stay out late and turn the porch light on if i want to shoot like but that's what i want to be that's what i want to be successful in is shooting my bow listen if you want to be successful right. in you know, whatever it is that you're prioritizing and saying, man, I wish I had time to hunt, man. I wish I had time to shoot. Listen, you're prioritizing something. Like if it's money, if it's family time, if it's uh, a new boat, if it's whatever, you're prioritizing something. So hundred percent don't get mad at me because I'm prioritizing what I want to be successful in.
0: I agree. I do the same thing.
1: So, uh, and that's just kind of, kind of where it's at. But so what's next for you, man? What what do you got next? What's the next big world record you're going to smoke? Let's
0: see. Yeah, man. Um, Let's see. I'm thinking about heading that back to South Dakota in February March. I want to get a Well, we're getting low on that bison meat, so it's time to re-up there. Um, I want to get one with a recurve. So it would be – it would probably be four or five days of me crawling around on my belly in South Dakota. So um, that's kind of up in the air. Um, Next one that's firm is black bear going to stick flingers again. Um, got a big group of guys going. That's going to be a blast. Uh, Sitka blacktail on Kodiak in November. Yeah, November. And then I uh, let's see. I think it's October. I've got woodland caribou at Ray's Place. So um, the woodland is going to be a blast. Still, the Sitka I man. You know, I've been I've been wanting to get them to uh, to, to home and charters for a while. Um, I've got four of the five deer. So I'm you know I'm really wanting to close the book on the deer slam. And, uh, and it's Alaska, man. Alaska is a blast. That place is just, uh, you know, it's Alaska. Yeah.
1: What, what is your, what's your overall goal? Like, do you have the super slam in mind? Do you have, you know, what's that end goal for you? Uh,
0: That's not, you know, super 10. That was always the goal. So one of each species, um, right now I've got, I'm missing a caribou and a sheep and you know, the sheep that's going to have to be, you know, the way the prices are getting, man, that's going to be a, a raffle or, you know, something like that, because it's just that dollar figure is probably going to be out of my price range. So I'll probably I'll probably be hung up at nine for quite a while um as far as the Super 10 goes. But that's really it. I mean, obviously, the Super Slam would be great. Um But, you know, I can't I can't lay down 900 hours of overtime down, you know, every year until I get this with prices keep going up. It's just I'd never get there. Um So if I could put one of each species on the wall. That would be the goal. And, um, and I'm getting, I'll get there eventually. I will, I will make that happen, but it's, you know, it's definitely a long-term goal that's not happening next season, but um, we'll keep chipping away. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's nothing I'm going to stop doing. Like it's, it's in me now at the gym's in me and it's, you know, it's something that's going to be there for a while. Um, So it's a, it's a work in progress and it's, you know, and I like it that way, you know, it's something that's, that can never really, you know, you can never really put a period on it. Like it's just something I can, I can do. And, and, you know, uh and be into kind of indefinitely. So it's uh it's definitely something that's gonna be uh, around for a while. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, man. I can't uh once you get bit by the bug you've been bit by, like there's no going back, man. And that's what you know, I wish a lot of guys and you know we've talked about taking the step into hunting, but like I wish a lot of dudes would just try recurves for one year. Like just just for one year say no matter what, I'm gonna hunt with this. Because there's all there's no going back from that, man. Like once you experience that, there's no going back. Um when you shoot a deer at 20, 20 yards, twelve yards, eighteen yards, like you just realize, man, it's this different is so much better. Yeah.
0: It's hard it, and it's hard and it's just their senses at that, that range are just magnified to the point where you have to be perfect. And if you're not, you're not getting that animal. And to me yeah. that was what was the you know, the kind of, whoa, that's, I didn't expect that at all. I mean, he literally heard my flannel at, you know, 12 yards. That, that slight, whatever this made, I don't, and he heard it. Yeah. It's superhero stuff, man. Yeah, it was super, it was mutant stuff. I couldn't believe it.
1: I've, I've, um, I actually had this conversation um with Chuck Adams in camp in Oklahoma. It's almost like deer sense movement. Like it's, they don't even, they don't hear anything. They don't see anything. I get their face completely away from you and you move, but you don't make a noise. It's almost like they just sense that something just moved. Right. Like it's just, it's insane.
0: Yeah, they they've got, there's, there's something going on. It's just anybody that tells you they got deer figured out is, is wrong. They just, they, they do some of the weirdest stuff. Uh, you know, the one deer I'm chasing the closest I've been to was 34 yards. And, you know, he comes in with the winds. Everything's perfect. Scenario's perfect. Everything's just right. And, you know, he's coming through this little pinch point and I see him, you know, his little running mate, you know, he's, he's got that one little guy that he has running point for him all the time. And, uh, and I see this guy coming. I'm like, I know he's behind him. And, you know, I look over and he's just over there and he's just got some reason that he doesn't want to come to the pinch point that one day. I mean, everything about this scenario couldn't have been more perfect. The wind was perfect. It's just, And he just backed out and left. And it's like, what happened? Like, why did you, like, you've been doing this for the last four days. Like, why didn't you do it today? Like, what happened differently? And who knows? I mean, the area I'm hunting, five guys could have walked through that area, you know, an hour before I got there, you know, or could be sleeping in the bushes. So, you know, it's really hard to say what could have gone wrong there. But in my mind, it was something I did. And there's something I've got to fix because he was right here, but stops. It's like, you know, but they're weird, man. They're weird. They do weird stuff. and trying to figure them out is a ton of fun.
1: So do you do a lot of whitetail hunting? Like, do you travel around hunt several States or you just kind of hunt around the house for whitetails? And then I,
0: I don't, I don't, I hunt, yeah, I hunt in the backyard. Um, you know, I save the, I save the out of town stuff for the, you know, the bigger stuff, you know, because if I'm, if I'm punching those tickets, you know, I don't want it to be on something that I could do down the street. You know, I, you know, I want it to be, I want to leave top caribou or to hunt, you know, something else that I can't do, you know, in Maryland or you know, in the parks or something so, like that.
1: I know, I know. Sheep is, you know, it's a big deal. It's expensive. It's a big investment. If you got to pick one of the sheep, what would it be? Like, if you could go on any sheep hunt tomorrow, I'm I, paying.
0: What are you picking? I'd probably, I'd probably go to Martin's place in Mexico. At you know, I got a lot of buddies that go there. They've all had a lot of good success. A lot of good things to say. Um, you know, and plus a desert sheep, man. You know, they got those chocolate antlers, like, you know, chocolate horns. Like, they just have a good look to them, you know. So that would probably be the one I'd go on.
1: See, I'm going stone sheep. I, I don't know why. I just think they're, they're gorgeous animals. I just, I love. Yeah, and, oh, and, they are.
0: They definitely are. Yeah. Well, well if, if you're you talking about could, any anyone I could go on and just like no, like no expense, you know, that yeah, stone, obviously. But as far as like going for a sheep, like if I had to pick one that I'm, you know, I'm spending the coin on for success rate desert sheep at martin's place yeah but as far as animal yeah you give me a give me a late season stone
1: if you were at convention which you were um and you go around the trophy room there was a bedded down full body stone killed by remy warren and it was just like to me and we had other new world records like we had we had new world records in the place we had you know top five all times and it's like dude just something about that stone sheep is like, God, look at it, dude. Like, it's just, it's sexy.
0: There were so many animals like that in there. I mean, that mule deer, he smacked you in the face the second you stepped foot in the door, and he was in the back corner. It's just like, that's a mule deer back there. But uh, that place, I can't wait to go to a convention, you know, in Arizona. That place was an absolute blast. Yeah, I can't wait.
1: Now, do you do a lot of shows? Like, am I going to see you at Western or at uh, ATA or anything like that? Do you go the, to any shows?
0: Pope and young was the first one I've been to. And I, I knew absolutely nobody there. It was, you know, found a, it wasn't, of it wasn't long until everybody
1: was like, I gotta get to know this guy. He's killing everything.
0: <laughs> this guy's getting lucky. How can it rub off on me? Yeah.
1: <laughs> can I have your underwear? Like what is but it, it was, that makes it, you lucky,
0: dude? <laughs> but it was a good time, man. I definitely, I can't wait to go back. And, uh, you know, it would obviously be nice to get on stage again, but uh, I'm pretty sure
1: I've tells me my, I've had
0: my opportunity there. Maybe something Maybe. tells me, Mike. Keeping the fingers crossed. But do you have we're, any? We're I,
1: mean, I mentioned underwear. Do you have anything superstitious like that that's making you kill all these animals?
0: Zero. Many. I just try to. I, I just try either. to go as prepared as possible, man. I just show up. But then
1: you meet dudes. But then you meet dudes Ow. who are like killing everything in sight, and they're like, dude. Always my lucky draws, and I'm like, maybe I need some lucky draws. Right. Like I don't know,
0: like yeah. because nah, I don't you're doing do it, something. I don't, right? No, no rabbits feet or no Joe Boo, none, none of that stuff. Nothing,
1: <laughs> <laughs> guys. If you want to hear the full story of of uh, Eric's world record Thule elk, um, it is on the Pope and Young website. You can go to the media page, hit the drop down menu, click news. Uh the, the full story of his world record. What was the final score of that world record?
0: When was it 336 and 1-8. Wow. Good grief. 8, yeah. yeah. Jiminy Christmas. Yep. A beautiful, beautiful. Look at him goal. right now, man. He is just unbelievable. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Where, all, where can they he's find a, he's you got Eric? A where, do to to follow, over there?
1: where do they need to follow the juggernaut at?
0: Um the juggernocks on Instagram, uh, just Eric Bethune on Facebook. And that's uh, I don't do TikTok or YouTube or any of that kind of craziness. So very kind wow, of you kind guys of are busy doing that. Media. He's busy killing um, world records. Try to get another one knocked down here next year or something <laughs> nice. But even if we well, don't, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Canada's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, man, guys. There's one fabric that if you're not wearing, you absolutely should be. It's a magic fabric, it changes everything about the way you layer, everything about the way you dress, everything about the way you hunt, and that is merino wool. I couldn't even begin to tell you all of the benefits of merino wool, and I'm going to miss some for sure. But guys, whether it's summer or whether it's winter, uh, this is going to keep you cool in the the summer. It's moisture wicking. It's going to pull the moisture away from your body, but it's also going to hold your heat in the winter. It is antimicrobial. It doesn't smell. It doesn't hold scent like other fabrics does. So if you're out on a five-day hunt, you don't have access to a washer, this is not going to hold your scent. It's not going to To get stinky and nasty um it's also uh quick drying um you can hang this up in your tent you can hang it up uh, on a clothesline it's going to dry really quick but the coolest part about merino in my opinion is that when it gets wet it still maintains it still maintains its warmth properties so if there's a light rain or a snow and this gets wet it's still going to keep me warm there's no itch there's it's it's non-allergenic it's an amazing an amazing fabric minus 33 i Stumbled upon minus 33 by accident. I was on backcountry.com and they were having a blowout sale. I needed some new merino for a hunt that was coming up. And so I, I dove in. I bought it. And when I got it, it was the softest, best merino I have ever felt in my entire life. I've not worn anything but minus 33 socks for everyday life, whether I'm hunting, hiking, or just, you know, out for the day. I haven't worn anything but minus 33 socks in over a year and a half, Every single day, I'm wearing their underwear. Every single time I'm out hunting, whether it's 100 or whether it's 5, I'm wearing some sort of beanie to cover up my chrome dome and to keep that covered up and warm uh, or cool Whether if it's in the summer. But also, um, that UV protectant, I like to wear it in the summer. Um, guys, Minus 33 does merino, in my opinion, better than anybody else does it. Go check out Minus 33 for all your merino wool. And if you haven't ever tried merino guys you are missing out it will change the way you layer it will change the way you hunt go check out merino wool and go check out minus 33 i can't wait to have you back on after your next world record uh but guys thank you so much for listening y'all have a fantastic
0: week we appreciate you dave thanks buddy